Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am your host, Mark Kastner. Uh, Today, I am joined by Tim Foss and Dave Clark. Tim and Dave, uh, how are you enjoying the international break? Does it even feel like an international break? Not yet. It's not yet an international break. I, I feel like there's uh, there just hasn't been enough time. There'll be a game soon, and maybe then I'll remember that the Sounders aren't playing. Yeah, and and that the Sounders will be missing a lot of players when they do play because they have to play a game. But we'll certainly talk about that. Tim, do you are you enjoying the international break? It's a pretty short international break for us since it's like a week before or a week of the break and then the Sounders play. Um, I did watch the U.S. U19s play on a Facebook stream. Saw, wow. Saw Red Baker Whiting play some fullback. So it, it really is an international break. That's yeah. That's like, that's pretty old school. Having to watch an international game on a Facebook stream, which just, I don't know, feels like, feels like a long time ago, but it's happening right now. In terms of it, was, it was the official stream. So it wasn't like a bootleg, but still on Facebook, nevertheless. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we have to start our podcast uh, talking about a Sounders player doing something uh, not good. Um, if you are not a person that participates on social media and listens to this show, congratulations, you are a unicorn, and I am deeply envious of your life. However, if you are, you probably saw that uh, uh, Javier Ariaga, the Sounders center back, um, Ecuadorian international who is away, I believe in Germany right now um, with his international team, his national team, uh, shared a uh, anti, anti-gay, and, or, so it's anti-gay and anti-trans uh, uh, Instagram meme on a story, just kind of with no context. The, uh, the meme, which has since been deleted from his Instagram feed, showed a TV with legs and hands kind of handcuffing and chaining two parents to the wall while uh, transmitting a rainbow into the skull of children into the skull of two children while holding up a pair of pants and a skirt. But the skirt was in front of what is assumed to be a male child and the pants were in front of uh, what is assumed to be a female child. You can kind of deduce the meaning behind that uh yourself uh it's pretty obviously not kind of in line with what the sounders believe as an organization um and 
uh, obviously a lot of fans, myself included, were pretty upset when they saw that. Ariaga has since posted an apology on Instagram. I'll just kind of run through some of the facts of the kind of what's happened with the situation in the 24 or so hours uh, since the thing has been posted. And then Tim, myself, and Dave will kind of talk about it for a couple of minutes. Um, he posted last night on Instagram or yesterday afternoon at this point was uh, dear fans last night. So he's referring to Monday night. Last night I posted uh, a post of a famous Christian artist in my Instagram story, which at the time seemed normal to me. And without thinking that this image was going to hurt or was going to cause and hurt the people of our community, which never was my intention. I want to express that I respect the way of life and thinking of all people. Thank you. Uh, Today, Wednesday at Sounders training, Brian Smitzer, Sounders head coach, addressed the situation. Uh, There is a full video of his kind of comments on Nico Moreno's uh, Twitter feed. Um, If you listen to the show, you probably know who Nico Moreno is, but if you don't, it's Nico with a K. You can just kind of search that on Twitter. He's got a two minute clip of Brian Spencer talking at training, but kind of a short quote from that is I don't agree with it. You know, he was asked of course about the meme. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it at all. People are who they are. It's not the TV trying to brainwash them. Okay. Now that I kind of gotten everything that's happened in the last day and a half out of the way, um, Tim, like how disappointed do you feel when you see something like this happen with the Sounders? I mean, it's a pretty disappointing thing to see an adult person share, regardless of whether they play for the soccer team that I care about or not. Um, it, I think especially like the format feels very strange. It's even the meme is like in a political cartoon style and has a kind of tv that hasn't existed for two decades um but it's also just i I don't know obviously not an uncommon view for a person to hold at this point like we are regularly seeing news stories involving violence being committed because of these kinds of views um and so it's definitely definitely sad and frustrating to see a player for the sounders a prominent player share something like that on their social media platforms um sucks dave i think uh you know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily my place to be hurt or harmed uh, by it, but I saw uh, friends of mine who it's definitely their place to be, you know, they're tired, they're exhausted. Um, and to just, to, to see, you know, they go through a lot worse than normally um, Seattle Sounders soccer is, uh, one of the safer places for uh, people who aren't of what society has deemed normal. Um, we're pretty good about welcoming all to just 
enjoy the game that we love. So that's where it was frustrating um, to, to see that, that harm. Um, because I just want to unite with my friends behind this team that generally welcomes um, anybody, you know, the, the, the only gate that's kept is that should be kept here is, are you a Sounders fan? If the answer is yes, then you're a Sounders fan. That's the, that's the gate. That's the only gate that belongs in any fandom. Um, essentially, like you don't need to keep fans out by not welcoming them, welcome new people. And then, you know, kick them out when they behave badly, maybe, but, you know, welcome people don't harm people through sports. That's kind of the simplest thing. I think what, what was a great reminder of how kind this organization can be was, was Brian Schmetzer's statement about how he doesn't agree with it at all. And it's a, it's a good reminder that uh, for all the demographic data out there, um, it doesn't really matter if the person, like the, at an individual level, the demographics don't matter. You know, Brian mm-hmm. Schmetzer, like me, older white dude, um, raised in greater, like there would be plenty of indications that say, you know, someone with those, those backgrounds wouldn't be welcoming, but instead Brian's like, it's unacceptable. Um, he doesn't agree with the statement and he, he went on about it and, you know, I think uh, some of his, you know, the, the full statement needs to be watched because he, he talks about the league and the team do social media training. He talks about the fact that uh, soccer for all and the community pillars of the team. And, you know, sometimes we think of those as mere marketing statements, but when they're challenged, every time the, the Sounders have been challenged about their pillars being supposedly just marketing, because if it was just marketing, they would have just brushed off the the Javier Arriaga thing and not had the coach talk about it. Uh, instead, he reminds us all about um, these pillars are, are a core to who they are. Um, I think it's vital and it's important. They share the stadium um, with one of the most decorated trans athletes of all time. And um, it's important to recognize that, that um, Quinn is awesome. They, they play a vital role for OL Reign and the Canadian uh, national team. And it's uh, no amount of propaganda will reduce the positive influences that Quinn and, um, has, has made in soccer globally. So uh, I like where they wound up as a team and um, I like that Brian said we're going to have a conversation when he gets back from international duty because I think that kind of one-on-one leadership from a coach um, is important. Um, we should all strive to be better tomorrow than we were today and than we were yesterday. Uh, and you know, Javi's first statement kind of milk toast, but let's see what it's like after he has those longer conversations with the coach and his fellow teammates, because again, we talked about it being the international break. He's not around the Seattle Sounders right now. Mm-hmm. Let's see what it's like when, when he rejoins the squad um, and has those conversations. Cause it's not just about changing language. It's about changing behavior and acceptance. Um, and that's where I want 
that's where I want to see is what are the next steps? Because a mild apology is uh, fine. Uh, doing things is always better. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could say that uh, any better myself, but I don't really have uh, much to add um, to Tim and Dave other than like what Brian Spencer said. People are who they are. And at Sound Art Heart, I think I can speak for all of our contributors uh, from on the site and on the podcast. Uh, you are who you are as a listener. Um, uh, you don't need to perform anything for anybody, especially in this community. Uh, you can come as you are and you can love the Sounders, as Dave said. That's the only thing we really care about. Um, and I hope that this can be kind of a learning point for Ariaga. Uh, before we move on, Tim, do you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I think the only other thing that I want to say is I am glad that Coach is going to have a conversation with him, but I do hope that the the club as a whole takes this as an, as an opportunity to um, put into action one of the one of the aspects of their community pillars is that they rely on and bring in subject matter experts to address these issues. Um, I think it's really great. And a part of why I love the Sounders is that Brian Schmetzer feels like this is a conversation that he needs to have, but I think it would be really important for everyone in the organization to, you know, have an expert on, you know, LGBTQIA plus issues come in and discuss not only that posts like that are problematic and put people in danger, but exactly why and the kind of danger that is not immediately apparent if you're not familiar with the issue. Um, I, I think this could be a really good learning opportunity for everyone involved. Yeah, and um, obviously we, we hope that it is, uh, especially for Ariaga, but I think it can also um, be an opportunity, like Tim mentioned, uh, for kind of the club and the fans and the team, um, because uh, this is a really, really important part of the club, I think. I am just going to, like, pause for a couple seconds because I can't really like segue out of a topic like that to go and to talk about soccer because what do you really like I don't ever really want to talk about stuff like this because I don't want players on the club that I love to behave like this um so yeah anyways um on to less important things like 22 men running around the field kicking a ball I guess um, I don't <laughs> think that that like really, uh, compares to homophobia and transphobia, but that's what this podcast is about. So we're going to talk about soccer players now. Uh, the Sounders played Vancouver over the weekend and it didn't go well and it put their playoff. I felt like after the game, writing the recap that it was over, <laughs> that was it that the Sounders were not going to qualify for the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the teams in the Western Conference are also bad. 
and it didn't. So Dave, a few days removed from that game, how do you, do you have any like thing you want to talk about for that game? How do you feel about the Sounders in general? Uh, talk to me. <laughs> um, that game, I, it's just frustrating because this is one of those games that should have been much easier than it was. Um, Vancouver, not good. I mean, admittedly, the Seattle Sounders, not good. Uh, but Seattle has been dominant over Vancouver for so long in this MLS era. And to just kind of lay that egg um, is frustrating. And uh, I know it, there's been a lot of focus on a defensive lapse, but I still, I remain, uh, I remain in the, uh, the, the side of the spectrum where it's the attack that has been failing much more frequently than the defense. And um, I think part of that's basically that the only two attackers that have played well for significant portions of the season are Raul and Jordan and seeing that neither of them created any meaningful danger um, was again frustrating because uh, there is no third attacking player on a team that has a well two DPs that at some point have been um, among the best in the league and getting no offense out of either Nico Ladero or Albert Rusnak for an entire year um, is uh, it's kind of crushing those little glimmers of hope. <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, have said for a few weeks now that I did not want to concern myself about Vancouver Whitecaps because if the Sounders have any intentions on becoming a playoff team and not only like just making the playoffs, but like, you know, doing something in the playoffs, they can't concern themselves with Vancouver Whitecaps because the Vancouver Whitecaps are bad. (laughs) So this is a moment in time where I'm just sort of uh, reckoning with things that I've said (laughs) and uh, Tim are you are you there are you on the other side are you just sort of like done or do you have some hope i wish i could be done i i just i can't look at the standings and this team and see how close they are to a playoff spot and completely erase the idea that they could get there um i a part of me certainly thinks that it would be nice if i could just say all right well they're they're not going to do it i'm just going to you know go through the motions for the rest of the season and move on but the team just won't let me um there's just too much there that yeah hasn't been clicking. This is not the first time that we have said if the Sounders want to be in the playoffs, if they want to have any business being there and doing something once they get there, they've got to beat X team and then they don't beat that team. Um, But it's still a possibility and 
you still kind of have to feel like with the collection of talent that they have, they could do it. And if they do it, they could get to another MLS cup. Like, I don't know. The pains of optimism. You reminded me of uh, like, we did all that math uh, when there were four, when there were five and six games left and we're like, they have room to lose one. We told them. Yeah. 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 We like, Like, we're like the conclusion we we reached. (laughs) And then when they finally do it, we're like, Oh, they're never going to like it. Does it matter that they, I, nobody, yeah. Nobody thought it was going to be against Vancouver though. Nobody thought that that, that was going to be a loss, but if they win, yeah. (laughs) Like they could be fine. Like again, when there were five games left, if they, if they go four, one and oh, if we approach that, like five games left in the season, four wins, one loss, you'd be like, heck yeah, they're going to do it. And now they're, you know, what, I guess they're, there's three games left. I don't, I don't it's hard for me to remember, man. There's three games left. Three I games will run, Okay. So uh, at five, yeah. if they win out and you're like, oh, they, they're fine. But as Mark has pointed out in the uh, Slack channel, they haven't gone three, and know, at any, yeah. like at any point in the season. So if they're going to look good and they, they haven't, as Tim's just pointed out, if they, you know, if they end their season, go, you know, if the final six games of the season are five wins and one loss, the rest of the league is going to look at that. And they're just going to be like, Oh crap. Because that it's very much a 2016 vibe if they make that kind of run. And it's a team that's better than the 2016 team. And they'll be getting Christian Aldon back. They, you know, they'll only be missing uh, of their most significant players, only Zhao Paulo. And so, you know, I would love to be able to be like, you know, um, writing those hype pieces for a playoff run <laughs> to be like, oh, here we go. Uh, you... You mentioned 2016 vibes, Dave, and mm. the loss to Vancouver meant that the Sounders finished third in the Cascadia Cup standings this season. Obviously, Portland won the Cascadia Cup uh, in that last match when they beat the Sounders. Uh, it was uh, like August 26th or something. I don't know. We lost to Portland. They won Cascadia Cup. However, we finished third with the loss to Vancouver, uh, Tim, do you want to guess the last time the Sounders had finished third in the Cascadia Cup standings? I'm going to guess based on you starting this with referencing Dave's mention of 2016 vibes that it must have been 2016. Yeah, that's that's what they call in the business like a like a lead. Uh, you had something to say. I cut you off and I wanted to give you that information so that you could take it. <laughs> I, I, appreciate that. Um, I was just going to say, it's not like none of the three games left aren't winnable. Like they're all games against teams that regardless of how the season has gone for stretches, the Sanders should beat those three teams. They should be able to look at a schedule that involves games against FC Cincinnati Sporting Kansas City and the San Jose Earthquakes and confidently say we should win those three games. 
obviously the Cincinnati game is complicated by Nico Ladero picking up a yellow card and so being suspended for that game and missing six other players for international duty potentially. But especially with the absences, if the Sounders beat Cincinnati, I feel pretty good about them beating Kansas City and San Jose because Cincinnati is not a great team, but they are substantially better than either of those teams. Um, it's obviously going to be hard with a heavily rotated team, but not the hardest game that, game they've ever won. Yeah, so Cincinnati is currently sitting. That's the game next Tuesday, if you're listening to this now or in the near future. And if you weren't, if you're just listening to old Center Heart podcasts, uh, maybe reach out to me. And we'll, <laughs> we'll find something we'll else for you to for you to do. Uh, so uh, in six days, they play Cincinnati on uh, next Tuesday night. Cincinnati six, six, sits sixth in the Eastern Conference playoffs on 45 points, uh, which is six more points than the Sounders have. Dave, um, I have a weird theory that the Sounders play better against better teams. And uh, this is not your older cousin's Cincinnati team anymore. I think that Cincinnati's pretty good. So I think that the Sounders are going to play against Cincinnati pretty good. How crazy do you think I am for saying that? I think in the short term, we remember the Austin game. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Except um, we are going to be missing some players, and we'll get to that in a second. Eh. I mean, Cincinnati's not going to be missing much, but uh, they're also not a complicated team. Like, it's not like Pat Noonan's out here running some weird formation that nobody's ever heard of with a technique that, like, got picked up out of, like, a third division in Germany or something like that. He just put the talent in the place where they play the best and it works. Like, it's kind of funny that a bunch of coaches like to overthink what they need to do. And um, sometimes getting a conventional coach, that's just like, yeah, you're really good at this. So that's all I want you to do um, is enough. Uh, Heck, we've, heck, you saw it in Charlotte. (laughs) They went from one of those coaches that had a uh, a brilliant coaching mind to yeah. just like let's keep it simple, and they kept it simple, and then I think they're in the playoff hunt. So um, that's kind of what Pat Noonan's doing. It'll be good for him to return and to to realize what he misses by not being a Sounder <laughs> anymore. Um, and I think that there'll be a few people on the coaching staff that'll like to to remind him that. He's the one with the upstart um, triple wooden spoon squad, um, not the mighty, mighty Sounders. So I imagine there'll be some some lovable smack talk from guys like Andy Rose and, and, and Brian Schmetzer to Pat Newton. Yeah. So uh, where things are at right now, as we record on uh, Wednesday, September 21st, is uh, the Sounders have uh, six total players out on international duty. Uh, Today at training, Brian Smetzer did mention 
that uh, Alex Rodon will at least feature in the game. I cannot imagine he starts, but uh, he, every time he plays, he starts. So maybe he does. Um, but he is coming off of kind of a lengthy absence due to uh, surgery. Um, Brian Spencer also reiterated at practice today that the Sounders organization is working with the Peruvian national team and the El Salvadorian national team with the hopes of uh, releasing Raul Rui Diaz and Alex Roldan early. So that means they will likely be without, uh, or hopefully only be without uh, Nuhu, Jordan Morris, uh, uh, Ariaga in terms of starters, Albert Rusnak, and then uh, Nicholas Ladero because of the yellow card suspension. Did I miss anything there, Tim? Am I missing anybody? Dave, Tim, am I missing anybody? <laughs> I don't think so. I was just trying to look to double check. I think Reed Baker Whiting has not played a ton for the Sounders this season, but he should be back from U.S. Youth National Team camp as well. They're only scheduled to be gone a short while. Um, at least according to the post that the, is on the Sounders website. Um, but that your list sounds correct to me. I don't think it does. And Dave, are you going to tell me why? Uh, well, I had I seven. Um, I, didn't fa- I didn't fact check myself. According to reports, Albert Rusnak was at training today. So it doesn't. No, maybe they talked to the way out of the Croatia. Uh, yeah maybe they talked to one of those republics yeah yeah so hopefully uh, isn't listening because yeah and uh i apologize to my uh video game friends for not being completely up and up on my uh, european nations there but um well that'll be good because they need a number 10 and he's been okay at that at, well, years past and not on this team. Um, it's going to be interesting because uh, I don't think uh, either of us have really uh, been happy with uh, Freddie and Will on the field uh, for several months now. Yeah, I don't think Will would be, like, be happy with it. One or both of them have to start, and I'm just like, eh. So. And they both – Oddly enough, have had some pretty decent, um, but both Montero and Will have had some pretty decent substitution appearances recently. Will scored against Vancouver in the 89th minute to save us from the humiliation of not scoring. Uh, and then Freddie had like an unbelievable performance against Houston coming off the bench. Uh, he scored, he drew a penalty that Nico subsequently missed. Completed a bunch of passes, won a ton of duels, you know, all the things that are important um, when making a substitution appearance. Uh, I'm, I'm, getting a, I'm getting a sense that kind of like it, it wouldn't really matter who the Sounders played for the next three games. Their biggest enemy is themselves. Do you agree, Tim? I think so. I, I don't know how much their struggles this season have been necessarily other teams outplaying themselves or Brian Schmetzer getting out coached. I think 
oftentimes it's the Sounders beating themselves by falling asleep on defense or not connecting passes in the midfield or, you know, not putting the right shot on when they get into the final third. Um, it's, it's been a lot of self-inflicted errors. Um, so yeah, I think the, the Sounders have to beat themselves. How do you think that they, what are some simple things that you think they could address and just kind of get out of their own way? I think sticking with the, I think that Atencio Leva midfield, it might not be the best possible combination, but I think it allows the you know, high powered attack that the Sounders should be able to throw at teams. Um, it allows the star players to really do the things that they are best at and are most likely to result in goals and winning games. Um, I think having an actual defensive midfielder simplifies the roles of pretty much everyone on the team. Um, it limits how much passing the center backs have to do. It makes it so that the fullbacks are not the only passing option for the center backs. Uh, it allows for possession to move a bit quicker, which to me is one of the huge issues that they run into that they tend to take a little bit too long moving the ball around. And then the other team is able to close the space for the person on the ball, as well as limiting the runs that the attackers can make. Um, That particularly has been an issue getting Jordan Morris involved meaningfully in games. Um, I think sticking with that is probably the biggest, biggest aspect uh, that can influence how they play pretty broadly. I think one of the, uh, the interesting things too about that is Schmetzer tried to put the more high priced, high reputation attacking talent on in order to make fewer changes to the overall shape and formation. And that's when the team was at its worst was when um, they kept Albert Rusnak back and moved Christian Will down back and inserted like a Freddie Montero and a Leo Chu um, in that attacking band. And you saw that both the attack and the defense got worse. And so I think, um, I mean, now, unfortunately, we're going to have to count on that higher reputation, higher priced attacking talent to perform. But uh, the Latencio combination has worked. And And as Tim said, it simplified a lot of things. So that's a good reason for hope. Um, I might even think that we'll see, you know, depending on the personnel, you might see one of those like five, two, two, one kind of house formations or the five, two, one, two with a 10 in there getting, you know, just clogging up the middle even more with like a Christian or Albert at the 10 with, um, too high forward, something along those lines. Um, mainly because I think that Jackson Reagan, um, I might have more confidence in Jackson Reagan on the center back line or 
I guess, Kellen Rowe left back again. Although, okay, maybe I've talked myself out of it already. And they also don't have very many center backs to do that. Yeah. Sissoko's been fine. I, like, if I have to compare, you know, the performance and ability to help the team, I think uh, A.B. Sissoko has helped the squad in games more than Leo too has. And one of them is, you know, one of them's on a minimum salary and the other um, got paid a lot of money. Does it worry you that uh, Cincinnati hasn't lost since July 17th? They're due. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm into it. Talk me into it. (laughs) I... They're Cincinnati. Like at some point, you know, um, yes, again, Pat Noonan, great job uh, coaching them. And there's been enough to turnover. But at some point, the how in the world are we doing this is going to sit in their heads. Um, I, I would appreciate if that point was in front of about 32,000 people on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, do you both agree with me that a draw doesn't do anything? For this game, like a draw, yeah, I, draw I is think, just bad. I think you've got to win your home games. Um, if you're going to be comfortable with a draw in one of these three games, I think that Kansas City one is probably the one. It's a road game. Kansas City's a nightmare to play against, just generally, um, physically and spiritually. I think. Uh, <laughs> Metaphysically. Yeah. Um, And regardless of how long it's been since they lost, Cincinnati is a team that I think you have to feel like you have to beat them. I agree. I, and like, I'm, I'm the, like, I'm like the vibe Smith around here and just the vibes of not beating Cincinnati after losing to Vancouver. Oh, I just don't want to deal with that. I I don't want to deal with that at all. Even though, even though like I'm sure mathematically just because of the way that the West is uh, and we'll kind of round out talking about that in a second, but I just, you just got to win for the vibes. You, you have to, right, Dave? Uh, uh, Mostly because it's the game in hand that you have. Mm, That's a good Um, point. You know, it puts the a win could would put them no longer with a game in hand, but in striking distance of uh, RSL just below the line ahead of Vancouver, uh, one point off of the Galaxy, who will still have a game in hand, and three points off of Minnesota. So there's a a win does a lot and kind of reinvigorates this side, which I think has been just dealing with the mental and physical exhaustion um, of the past, oh my goodness, five and a half years of constantly playing more games than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, If you look at the other teams in that Schmetzer era that have won a lot of games, they all suck this year too. Um, Yeah. I mean, like Toronto's, they're already disqualified from the playoffs and they, they have a player on their team that his salary is higher than like 12 teams, <laughs> just him alone. Yeah. 
they spend all that money. Um, and, uh, you know, that's why they won't win the, the wooden spoon is because they spent all that money. That, that's why they're seven points ahead of DC by buying a bunch of Italian talent. Um, you know, I guess that's 12 million well spent, but you know, it, Portland is the number three team from late 2016 to the present. And they're only at a mediocre 46 points. You know, they're one of the teams that if they falter here late, Seattle could, God willing, pass. Yeah. Um, heck, you look at it. Remember last year when no Texas and no LA teams made the playoffs? Was that, and yeah. now of those, you know. Yeah, that's. Now it's four of those six that will make the playoffs, probably. So uh, sometimes. Sometimes there are simple solutions and we hate to do it. It's sometimes it's as simple as injuries and wariness. And you just got to win your, and, and what, you know, we're doing like a pre postmortem here and we don't even have to, because if they win the games, they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, what's kind of round out the sh- Cause that's just kind of how it works. <laughs> Unfortunately uh, in MLS. Um, so our kind of competition if you're a person inclined to kind of look at these things, um, Dallas and Nashville are prop and maybe even Portland are kind of uh, out there. So we're not going to really look at Dallas and Nashville's schedule. So Minnesota currently is on 45 points. And if while I'm talking about this, Tim or Dave, can you look up the last time they won? Because I feel like it's been a long time ago. Um, Minnesota plays against San Jose next weekend in San Jose, and then they end the year home to Vancouver. So that could be there. There are points going to teams in those situations that can't go to the other team. I just explained soccer to you. However, that means that the Sounders may have an opportunity to pick up some points on their competition there. Um, the next team I wanted to kind of bring up, which is in a similar and interesting situation, is LA Galaxy. They do actually play during the international break. Uh, they play against San Jose at Stanford Stadium. I think they call this like the California Classico or something. It got rescheduled from a few months ago because there was a power outage. Uh, yeah, or- wildfire had burnt yeah, um, burnt the power system that serves Stanford. Yeah, so uh, that. That is on, I believe, Saturday night. If uh, you <laughs> need something to watch, that's, I don't know, not college football or spending time with your family or uh, anything else, uh, you could do that. Um, of those two teams, did anybody look up last time Minnesota won? Minnesota's last win was on August 27th against Houston. So okay. by the time they play next, it will have been over a month since their last win. That's cool, because I think that that's the team that the Sounders ultimately catch if the Sounders do make it. But um, the LA Galaxy play at San Jose against RSL and at Houston uh, to round out their season. How do you two feel about those two teams? And are they going to do us any favors by losing? 
Does anybody want to go there with me? Does anybody care? <laughs> uh, I don't. I know we have to worry about other teams, but I really think that. Um, however, it happens. Seattle just has to win out. They yeah. have to be the team that they were in CCL slash May. Or even July. They were good in the or beginning June. of July. Yeah. That CCL run May to early July, they were fine. Unfortunately, that they were fine time overlaps with uh, a healthy Obed Vargas. Yeah. So. But – and. Also what overlapped during that time, if I can kind of end on an optimistic note, since it doesn't really seem like we're interested in talking about what other teams do, because I agree. I don't think it really matters because if the Sounders win their games, they're going to make the playoffs. Um, Danny Leva and Josh Atencio were dealing either with COVID or injuries or both at the same time during the, it was kind of fine post-CCL thing. And then Ovid Vargas got hurt. Danny Leva, Josh Tensio weren't really available. And if they were available, they weren't really fit. They hadn't played a whole bunch this year. Now they have played a bunch this year, Tim. That's the point that you keep reassuring me is going to kind of be the foundation for success. Right? Yeah. And those, those guys are both going to score goals, at least one. I yeah. Will, every, every week. <laughs> I will keep predicting it until it happens. Everybody else got to do it with New Who. I get to do it with these guys. <laughs> All right. So the Sounders are going to win 2-1 against Cincinnati with Josh Atencio and Danny Leva both scoring. Right, Tim? That sounds right to me. Do you want to make a real prediction or is that your real prediction? No, that's not my real prediction. My real prediction is a 2 nothing win because I think they're going to get another shutout finally. Um, and I think only one of Atencio or Leva scores in this one. And I, I'm going to go with Atencio because I feel like he's gotten close a couple times on pretty nice, pretty nice shots. Uh, and maybe Russ, maybe Rusnak scores another free kick. Cool. Dave, what uh, do you think is going to happen? Also, uh, I'm also going to root for a Josh Atencio goal because. Um, I have enjoyed him as a player in person. Wow. Uh, covering him since I think 2017, I think is the first time I chatted with him. Um, so I'd like to see that. But um, that might also mean just a, a one nothing win because I'm just not confident in any of the attacking players. And they might just not be there. <laughs> they might not be there to score the goals because they're all gone on international duty. Anyways, um, I would like to thank Tim and Dave for joining me on this uh, kind of weird and uh, emotional podcast. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts? I do. All right. I have a final thought because I'm going to say that if you're, if you've been enjoying Josh Atencio, Danny Leva, Obed Vargas, Ethan Doubleair, uh, Dylan Tevez, Dulce Zoko, Jackson, Reagan, Nuhu, 
you might also enjoy Tacoma Defiance on Sunday night when they host Houston Dynamo 2 in a home playoff game um, because Defiance won their division, finished second in the West. They're really damn good. They're shot, stock full of talent and names that you will see playing professional soccer for quite some time. So I'm going to plug the team that I no longer work for. Um, <laughs> mostly because Wade Weber, friend of Sounder at Heart, uh, their head coach, Marlon Vargas is great. Randy Mendoza is an amazing captain. Um, and Fawns, Reed Baker, Whiting. And it's a Sounders other. team that actually made the playoffs comfortably. Yeah, it's a version <laughs> which of the is what, that made which the playoffs. Which is what we're used to. And all the money goes to the uh, the fan funded field um, for the Ray Foundation. Um, is that is that game is that game at Starfire for people interested in seeing it live? Yeah, it's at Starfire. So um, it's a it's fun little flashback. It's the playoffs. You win, you go home, or you go home. So it's a short playoff. Uh, this is the Western Conference semis, then the Western Conference final, and then the final. So they could only have three more games in their shortened season. So go watch Wade Weber and um, the men of defiance. Cool. I can't think of any, uh, literally not a single better note to end the podcast on than that. Uh, Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Dave. This has been the center of our podcast. I'm obviously Mark Castor, co-sounders and defiance.